Hi, this is David Flower, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you, Ron, for that scripture reading. Good morning, Grantham Church. Good to see you all in worship this morning. If you do a quick uh, Google search on the word generous, you're given this definition. You can check me out if you want, but you don't have to. Um, it says, a person showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. A person showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. When you think of a a generous person in your life, who comes to mind? Why don't you do this with me? Let's let's close our eyes for just a moment. Close your eyes. It's okay. I'm not going to throw anything at you. And think with me. Think of a generous person in your life. Who is someone you see that's been generous with their time, with their gifts, their talents, as well as their financial resources? How have they influenced or blessed your life by their generosity? Just think of that person. Who comes to mind? And let's thank God for them right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for those who have been generous with us. Thank you, Lord, for the ways in which they have impacted our faith, deepened our faith, have inspired us. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for your generosity to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's his name that we wish to exalt in the remaining time together. Help us, Lord, to hear from your Spirit. When we're worried that you will or can provide, you pour out the wine to loosen our hold. Would you do that, Lord, as you slow us down this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Generosity is what the Apostle Paul had on his mind when writing uh, to the church at Corinth. Uh, Paul sent his first letter, that is 1 Corinthians, because of a lot of different problems. This church was dealing with divisions sexual morality, disorder in the gathering of the church, uh, people having their favorite teachers, and there was some even some criticism of the Apostle Paul. And when it came to communion, you could certainly see a divide amongst the rich and the poor. 
And so Paul's dealing with a lot of problems there in that first letter to the Corinthians. And he's going to follow up this letter with a painful visit. That's what he calls it. Now, we have two letters to the Corinthians in our New Testament, but some scholars believe there was up to four letters that were written. Two of them have been lost. This is a a congregation that Paul has helped to plant. He's spent about 18 months there working with them to get them off the ground. And they have a lot of issues. They're thoroughly Gentile. They're they're thoroughly having come out of a pagan background. And Paul is trying to disciple them and teach them to walk in the way of the Lord. And so he's like a spiritual father to them. So he's going to send another letter after the first one, and he says that he wrote it in anguish and tears. And we think that letter was probably lost. He refers to that letter uh, in, the, in the second. And, and it seems like most people repented after this effort that Paul gave. So 2 Corinthians then is written to assure them that he loves them despite some of the harsh, stern things that Paul has had to say to them. He wants them to know, I love you. I'm still your spiritual father, and God still has a work to do with you. And he, of course, commends them for the ways in which they've repented. He's, he's writing to assure them he loves them, to encourage them, to view life from a kingdom perspective, and to inspire them to work out their faith in various ways. And one way to work out their faith is to fulfill their commitment to give what they said they would give to help the church in Jerusalem. Remember, they are, as I said, mostly Gentile in Corinth, and the church in Jerusalem is mostly what? (laughs) If not all, it's Jewish. And so their efforts to give, and, and Paul encouraging them to give, is to show unity in the church, but also solidarity with their need and with their suffering. A famine has brought on poverty in, in Jerusalem, and it's greatly affecting the church. So Paul says he's sending his young Padawan learner, Titus, on to them to collect their financial gift and ensure that they give joyfully and not begrudgingly, he says. It's important to remember that Paul is writing to the entire church at Corinth, not to an individual. We often can forget that or think it's first and foremost written to us. Uh, We need to cross the bridge of time, of culture, of language, and so forth, enter into their context, understand their world, understand how they would have heard it, and then let's travel back across the bridge to where we are today and make, make application. So it's, this is to a congregation, not an individual. It can be challenging, you see, for a community of disciples to give generously together, as Paul is going to say, to freely scatter their gifts to the poor like seeds in a field. You have to keep in mind that that's how a farmer would sow. He would reach in his bag of seeds and toss those seeds out onto the ground. Jesus uses this agrarian analogy when he talks about the parable of the sower. Remember that? And how the seed fell and what ground it fell upon. So this is the main analogy Paul is going to use in our primary text today, to sow those seeds extravagantly, the seeds that God has entrusted to them as a congregation. And that is specifically to use their financial gifts. Imagine money is like seeds being thrown out to bless others. This is what Paul asks of them. And for Paul, he anchors this call to be generous in the person and the work of Jesus. Look what he said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 
Chapters 8 and 9 serve as a literary unit. And Paul is talking about the same thing here in chapters 8 and 9. This is what he says in verse 9 of chapter 8. He says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants them to reflect on the very generosity of God. Hopefully you've already been doing that in the service this morning as we've been singing uh, Pastor Melissa's wonderful prayer earlier to have us to think about the generosity of God. And when you think and you meditate on the generosity of God, it should provoke within us generosity, right? We should want to, as we have received, give away to others. So Paul says, though Christ was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, notice the way that Paul is using rich and poor here. Now, how was Christ rich? Well, he came from heaven. He came from the Father, right? So, so this, is, this has to do not with money so much, but as with his character, with his goodness, with his righteousness, with Christ's faithfulness. Yet for your sakes, he did become literally poor, economically poor. And of course, Paul has in mind, he died on a cross for us. The God of the universe, the God of the universe became a human being came down to our level, not born in a palace, but born in a barn. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, saying wouldn't work with Jesus, would it? Well, were you born in a barn? Was, well, actually, I was. He was rich, but he came, became poor for our sake so that his poverty could make you rich. Now, I have to say here that there are some TV preachers that would misuse this text. This isn't God promising, promising us material wealth. This is saying that we can become rich as Jesus was rich in faithfulness and righteousness, right, in his character. So our generosity then, Paul is trying to tell us, is in response to the generosity of God. Listen to what Paul wrote to his young Gentile co-worker in the faith, Titus, as we said. He reminded him of how we all once were. But because of the generosity of God, we have been and are being made new in Christ. Look what he writes to Titus here in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. He said, at one time, we too were foolish. Look at that. Paul includes himself in there. We too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, we didn't earn it, right? But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Think about that generosity, brothers and sisters. Paul no doubt wants his audience, as he does himself, he even practices this, to reflect on how generous God is with his mercy, with his grace, his forgiveness, and his love, how good and generous he is to provide for all of our needs so that it would inspire us, you see, to join him in sharing the same generosity with others as we seek to embody his generous character and work out our faith as disciples. And I want you to think of it this way. 
Yes, we have, as you heard from Rebecca, budgetary needs. Yes, we have an offering that we still need to meet a goal for. We have a lot of other financial needs. And these things are important. But most of all, they're important because it has to do with being disciples. Right? Amen? It has to do with us working out our faith. A lot of people make an idol of money. And money can have such a power over us. So we also talk about, often talk about money, sex, and power having such a hold on us as idols. So we must be aware of that. We have to understand that our giving is related to a spiritual act of worship. Our giving is reflective of our discipleship. Maybe we could say also a lack thereof is reflective of our discipleship. So just remember, this is the way Paul wants us to think of it. So let's go back and look briefly at our main scripture reading. If you have your Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read verse, start reading verse 6. I'm going to unpack this just a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Paul said, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. You may think, well, duh, yeah, that's how it works. And Paul wants you to think of that that this way. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. In other words, sow a little, you get a little back. Sow a lot, will you reap the rewards of heaven. And so it is in the field, so it is in the church. Verse 7, he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Decide in your heart. That is, the church acts out of the heart. That's where generosity comes from. You can think of it this way. The Corinthian church commit to a ministry budget together, and they meet it with their generous giving. They reflect, as Paul is telling them to, to reflect on the generosity of God, to think about the provision of God, how God has cared for them and blessed them so that they can be a blessing to others. Look at the second part of verse 7. He says, and don't give reluctantly. Okay, I guess I'll give since they're telling me to. Or we made that commitment. I guess we'll do it. No, don't give that way. Don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. If you're reading from the New International Version, it says God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Cheerful. The Greek word there is hilaron, or it comes from the word hilaros. What does that sound like in English? Hilarious. Be a hilarious giver. <laughs> For the right reasons. <laughs> well, look how little they give. That's so hilarious. No. No. Be a hilarious, that is a joyous, this is what the, the Greek word means, a joyous, that is a prompt or willing giver out of the generosity of your heart. Verse 8, and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Listen to this biblical truth, folks. God will always provide what you need. Generosity is rewarded by God with needs being met, but not only being met, but having what? Leftovers. It reminds me of the story when Jesus fed the 5,000. You remember this? What came after that? You remember? He tells them to get into a boat go across the lake, what does he do? 
He meets them on the lake in the storm. I think Matthew wants us to know when he tells us this story, it says after the feeding of the 5,000, they had 12 baskets full left over. They took with them. They had a miracle of God right between their legs and the boat when the storm came. But they forgot how God can provide and what God can do. How often we do this, right? We've got the proof of it right here in front of us that God can care for us. He does care for us. He does provide. And he'll continue to do so. All we've got to do is believe. In verse 9 he says, the scriptures teach us, this is from Psalm 112, verse 9, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. In verse 10 he says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So God blesses your generosity by providing your needs and more. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else, or seek first the kingdom. Some of you memorized it that way. And Jesus said, and live righteously, and he'll give you everything that you need. Of course, I know this, this way of living, it, it requires faith, doesn't it? Trust in the Father. Trust that the Father will provide for you when you put the kingdom first with your time, with your talents, and with your finances. Trust that when you make it a priority to organize your schedule, to organize your pocketbook, to prioritize the way that they need to be with the kingdom first, in a way that shows that you value the gospel of the kingdom above everything else, that the Lord will meet your needs and ensure that you're able to continue being a blessing to others, this is what God will do. Yes, it requires trust, but according to Jesus and the rest of the New Testament, this is the way that we tap in to the greater, the deeper Christian life. And then verse 11 through 15, Paul finishes up by saying, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Look at that. (laughs) By your generosity, you lead others to the God who looks like Jesus. In verse 12, he says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. It deepens their faith. This act of generosity, Paul is saying, it deepens their discipleship. And lastly, he says, the result of your ministry, they'll give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And they'll pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Friends, this is how gospel ministry works happens. Listen to me. This is not charity. It's ministry aimed not only at meeting physical and socioeconomic needs, but spiritual needs as well. It's about people knowing the God who looks like Jesus. Listen to how one scholar captures what Paul is saying. This is Guy Ney from the commentary, True to Our Native Land, an African-American commentary. He writes, Paul depicts giving as a ministry, not simply as an act of charity. 
This idea of ministry is important because ministry is an ongoing way of living, not a one-time event. The ministry of giving is an act of solidarity, not an act of charity. Through the ministry of giving, we enter into solidarity with those in need. So don't miss this. When we choose, this is what we're saying, when we choose to be generous and give of our time, our talents, and our treasure, when we make it a priority to give and to bless others who are in need, we affirm their worth, and we promote equity and security for others in and outside the church. This is what they were doing in Acts chapter 2. You'll recall that everyone who had need, their needs were met because of the generosity of the other disciples. So we acknowledge, as Paul told the Corinthians, that there's one body of Christ with one mission when we give. And through our ministry of regular giving, our lives are mutually transformed by generosity. So let's sum up what Paul is saying to us about being generous. But first he's saying it's who we are called to be. It's who we are called to be. If you think back to Philippians chapter 2, this wonderful Christ hymn that Paul includes in his letter to the Philippians. He says that Christ emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He gave up his divine privileges, right? As he said earlier to the Corinthians and to Titus, he said he became poor so that we might become rich. And so, so we should have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Paul says that. You see, generosity is a sign that a church knows the gospel, knows who they are in Christ, and determined to follow this self-emptying Jesus that is share in the very life of God by living this way. And by living this way, we tap in to a deeper Christian life. The very life of God. You see, giving is a spiritual discipline. It's an act of worship. But generosity is part of our character as disciples. You may be thinking, well, you know, I, I, I didn't learn this. Nobody taught this to me. That's okay. The Holy Spirit can teach you now. If you'll yield to the Lord. If you'll, if you'll be inspired by the examples of others here at Grantham Church. It's who we become in our baptism. And it's who God calls us to be for the sake of the kingdom. So it's who we're called to be, and it's also, it's also how we're called to live. And I've got scripture references for each of these, if you want to go and look at those later on. It's how we're called to live. Paul quotes Jesus in Acts 20, verse 35, saying to the Ephesian elders, he says, he reminds them, Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Meaning when we live with the Lord's generosity, we experience more of God's life. When we, when we live with that generosity, we experience more of his life. In Ephesians 4, 28, Paul tells the saints to work. Don't just take, but work. Be helpful. Use what you earn and what you have to help others. It's who we're called to be. It's how we're called to live. And lastly, Paul is saying, it's what changes things. Brothers and sisters, money is, money is not the root of all evil. Listen to me. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Even Jesus told a parable, you recall in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, that you should use your money, you should use your wealth to bless others. Not spend it all on yourself or store away all the excess and barns. Instead, invest it in the kingdom. Because you can't take any of that stuff with you anyway. Use it for the kingdom. Use it for ministry. That's because money has say-so in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Money has say-so in the kingdom of God. It can influence, it can create, it can support, it can sustain gospel ministry when we use it to further the mission of the church and the world. So if something's important to you, you work it into your budget. You put your money where your mouth is, so they say, right? That's how, they, that's how they say it. This is what we mean. That means that we don't give God and his mission the leftovers. We give him the first fruits. We give him the first fruits. We prioritize ministry in and outside the church over and above the things that really don't matter, that often don't really matter for eternity. And this invitation, you see, to worship a generous God and be cheerful givers is how we work out our faith. And after Paul spoke of this self-emptying Jesus, this generous God in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, he wrote this. This comes there again at the end of speaking of the generosity, this self-emptying Christ. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who's at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And Paul isn't saying work for your salvation. You have your salvation. You've been given. That is a free gift out of the generosity of God. So now what he's saying is work it out. Work it out. Mature in it. Grow in it. Live into who you are in Christ. How you're called to live. And then live like this is how things really change in God's economy, in the kingdom of God, by us having the same servant attitude and posture as the Lord Jesus. And look at this. We don't have to go at it alone. Paul says God enables us by working with our desires and our efforts to bless the church and the world who needs Jesus. We simply need to align ourselves with his heart, generously sow our seeds, and call upon the Lord to send the rain. Let me say that again. We need to simply align our hearts with what matters to God. Generously sow our seeds with belief that God will provide and God will bless and we'll have leftovers. And call upon the Lord to send the rain to bless it and to make it grow. You may remember that's what we invited our congregation to do through our breakthrough prayer. You remember this prayer? Some of you pray this still regularly. Will you pray this prayer with me? Say this with me. Father, we cry out for more of your kingdom in and through Grantham Church. Please break through our darkness, free us from our bondage, and open doors for greater ministry. Fill us with your spirit and empower us by your grace, and we will surrender and faithfully follow Jesus and fulfilling your gospel mission. Amen. Amen. 
Let's continue to pray that prayer together. Finally, here are some questions to help us reflect and respond together. The first question, what would it look like for God to open doors for greater ministry at Grantham Church? Think about that. Dream with us. What would that look like? If God opened greater doors for greater ministry. And what needs do you see right now in our church and in our community that we can meet if we'll call upon the Lord to move us in our spirit and mobilize us for his mission? How is the Lord speaking to you? Number two, what is God saying to you about being more generous with your time, talents, and treasure? How is he calling you to give cheerfully to the work of the Lord? And maybe there's someone you need to mentor or disciple. Or maybe there's a way that you can, you can serve and fill in a gap and meet a need. Do you need to begin giving regularly to the church? Or maybe God's blessed you over this past year and you, you can increase your giving. Help us carry out our mission and vision. What is it that God is saying to you personally? And lastly, number three, will you prayerfully consider how the Spirit is inviting you to respond to His leading today? Let's just take a moment of silence and let's listen and respond to God as we prepare to come to the table of God's great generosity. Let's listen for the Spirit together. Lord Jesus, we confess that we are not always as generous as you are with our time and our talents and our treasure. Forgive us, Lord. Maybe where we've just thought about ourselves, just thought about our own comfort maybe and pleasure and Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Speak to us, Lord, about how we can align our heart with yours. Lord, we want to meet needs and we want to inspire others to be generous and we want to further your mission in and through Grantham Church. Lord, we also want to experience more of your life. Help us, Lord, to do that. Help us to experience your great generosity, that it would free us up in other ways.
Lord, make it clear what you're saying to each of us. And God, make it clear what you're saying to us corporately as a congregation. Lord, as we now prepare to come to your table, reflect on your generosity toward us through the bread and the cup. May you continue to speak as we worship you together as a church family. Thank you, Lord, for all the ways that you have provided. Help us, Lord, as we reflect on this table and its meaning, as we come with generous hearts to remember the basket that is full of fish and loaves between our own knees. And help us to reciprocate that generosity toward others. It's in Christ's name that we pray together. And all God's people said,